Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, a medallia company, and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for the organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. And today I'm joined by Rachel Jugai, who is currently serving as a customer success manager for MyTech Systems. She has held a number of customer-facing roles, and in many of them was constrained by scripts and heavy-handed processes that actually limited her ability to help customers. We'll be talking about how to avoid over-processing your customer experience and about ways that you can leverage your customer success team's strengths. So Rachel, thanks so much for being part of the podcast today. Hi, Kristen. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about how you got into the field of customer success. Sure. Well, I fell into technology when I started working as student support um, in college at Point Loma Nazarene. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I continued to get support and software training positions after that and eventually fell into customer success. And I think looking back, those having those well-rounded positions has given me a good perspective of the different types of customers and their needs. Very cool. So I know we've had a few people from MyTech on the podcast before, but can you refresh us on what the company does and how the CS team is structured there? Sure. Um, so MyTech has been the leader in the mobile check deposit space for quite some time. Um, if you've ever taken a photo of your check and deposited to your bank, that's actually MyTech working in the background. And uh, most recently, MyTech has created a division for identity verification for the use of customer onboarding and fraud prevention. And our CS team, we're small, but we're mighty and we're growing. Yeah, yeah, we only have around five uh, North America CSMs. We also have five over in Europe. Okay. And... um, Recently, we uh, brought on a data analyst and a technical account manager um, as part of our team to help uh, troubleshoot and also provide some heavy data and reporting back to our customers. Got it. Okay, cool. So yeah, you're at that stage where you're starting to kind of take off, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. We're growing. Cool. Um, Before we get into the real specifics of our topic today, we're going to be talking about over-processing. And I think Mm -hmm. that was the term you used when we were talking about what we wanted to share today. Mm -hmm. What do you mean when you say over-processing? Well, first off, it's important for businesses to definitely have processes. And and I know that it helps um, 
employees stay organized and on task. Mm-hmm. But I've I found in my career as a CSM, I've gotten caught up in the actual process itself rather than the end goal that I have for my customers. Mm. So what I mean is I've ended up actually worrying if I've asked the right people for help or if I've scheduled all the right meetings or if I've cleared my next moves <laughs> yeah. with management and if I've logged all my notes and steps properly in the right places. And I think overthinking these steps actually creates fatigue for me and uh-huh. it's um, it can be overwhelming at times. And as a result, I think it makes me less effective in my role. Um, and some some more examples that I have actually is, and I would imagine other CSMs could probably resonate, is scheduling QBRs exactly every three months and using the exact same template every time uh-huh. and um, potentially over-organizing notes and logging them in like six different places. And probably my biggest um, one is scheduling too many meetings, right? And talking about the work rather than actually doing the work. And I think that really creates um, or actually kills the creativity of the CSM. Yeah. Are you talking about internal meetings or customer meetings or both? Sometimes both, but I really feel like internal meetings can overexhaust any employee really, but specifically a CSM, right? Yeah, I that is a huge pet peeve of mine too. And I think um you know a lot of meetings just happen because they've always happened, not because they're necessarily particularly useful and yes. you know one of the things that we sometimes are asked to do uh, when we're working with a client is to audit their meetings mm-hmm. and see, you know, which ones are actually valuable and which ones aren't. And mm-hmm. when we do that, we actually calculate the cost of meetings to the company. Mm-hmm. by looking at the, you know, the hourly time that's being invested by all the people who attend. And sometimes it's really shocking how much people are spending on meetings and not even really thinking about it. Absolutely. Like there was one customer of ours who they had a half an hour every week, all hands meeting across the entire company, including all their contractors. And that um, that company was spending in a year over over a million dollars on that one meeting and so and it wasn't even it was just like kind of updates on what had been happening that week Mm -hmm. and it could have easily gone in an email and so yeah I think people um who are in that situation where they're they're feeling very fatigued by all the meetings should Mm -hmm. maybe take that kind of an inventory and really look at do you really need to be in all those meetings yeah and you know I think it's okay to say no sometimes (laughs) (laughs) it it is I've actually been enabled to do that if it's not necessary or it's blocking me from being strategic in another place I have absolutely the right to say no (laughs) that's good yeah you got to take control of your own time absolutely (laughs) so let's talk about the voice of the CSM why do you think it's important for a CSM to share their own voice with customers and how can CS leaders enable that? Yeah, sure. So thinking back, every CSM that I've ever worked with has actually been really funny and they have this personality and certain quirks. And I think it's worth showing to customers that they work with mm-hmm. and CSMs letting their true selves shine through. It shows vulnerability and strength actually. And the customer then actually starts to know their CSM and they know their style, they're used to it, and they're likely to trust that CSM's approach and they're going to build a strong lasting relationship off of that. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that 
it's more important to have that relationship than sometimes necessarily how the product or the customer is performing because there's going to be ups and downs. But if you have that strong relationship and that voice with the customer, I think that goes a long way. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, if you hire CSMs who are um, the right CSMs, they're going to have a really good way of working with clients anyway. And so you got to let that shine through. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm lucky in my current role because both my manager and my director, they don't micromanage us or my peer, or they don't micromanage me and my peers. And so they took time getting to know me and my style. Um, mm-hmm. And they enabled me to capitalize on my skills and strengthen them even if maybe they themselves would have handled something differently, like a conversation or a meeting, they respect and trust me to get my job done. And that's really important uh, to me is to, to have that trust with my manager. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into my next question. So, you know, as you and I were prepping for this interview, you mentioned that you think too much uniformity is problematic. So why do you think that is? Yeah. uh, So uniformity is, I've been Googling it actually more and more recently, and it actually is defined as everyone being the exact same and behaving the same. And in this Uh case, if we look at a CSM, it's being the same as their peers. And Mm -hmm. I just don't think that in the real world, that's realistic And as I mentioned earlier, every CSM is different and we should be embraced and actually celebrated for the different skill sets and how we approach situations. And when a CSM steps into a new role, and I know from experience, I learn and approach training and problem solving so much different than probably someone else does. Mm -hmm. And sticking a CSM into a box and telling them to follow XYZ processes or do their job like Sally or Joe I think it could limit and block that CSM from exploring their creativity and it doesn't really allow them to ever get outside of their comfort zone either and try anything new. So in the end, they may not really learn a lot about themselves or grow. Yeah. I, I, I want to dig in a little bit more on the dark side of overprocessing. And I know you have some examples <laughs> from prior roles. How did you see overprocessing driving a competitive environment and perfectionism? So when there's overprocessing, I think it's easy to fall into a slump of focusing on the wrong things. And if I worry too much about the process and checking every box internally, it can actually take away from the overall goal of helping the customer and achieving their business needs. So there have been times where I wasn't putting the customer first and I focused on uh, what was going on internally at my company And I was also worried about how I was viewed um, for the actions or the decisions that I made. And it actually made me feel pretty ineffective at at my role. And as a result, I ended up comparing myself and my work to others. And I really think in reality, CSM shouldn't be worried about missing an internal step or potentially how they're viewed. They should really be focusing on the task at hand for the customer and that long-term development of the relationship and their journey with us. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a perfect example that I can recall upon because it kind of haunts me still to this day. I, I had this customer that was in urgent need of launching this new feature and they needed additional help from my support team. It was a pretty technical um, situation that they were in. And of course, ironically, the customer had used up all of their uh, support hours with us for the month. So 
um, rather than me naturally just saying, all right, let's just hop on a call and let's solve this. I'll get my support team. It's on the house. I had to go through this internal process to get everything signed off so that they could get an additional bucket of hours. And then I had to get everything cleared with the customer, right? Which is an awkward conversation to have. And so several email chains and paperwork later, it took probably a day or so, the customer's just there waiting. And, you know, it pains me to think back to what I was doing. I was molding into this cookie cutter CSM and trying Mm -hmm. to appease all these internal processes. And I had a quota I had to hit for sales and I didn't want to finish in last place. And all of this was going on in my head. And I I wasn't focusing on the customer at the end of the day and getting them the help that they need. Yeah, it's it's really interesting when companies kind of end up with those sort of processes for processes sake. And I think, you know, looking at some of our clients that have kind of gone too far down the road of processes, (laughs) it usually comes from somebody trying to fix a mistake that happened somewhere along the way. And, um, you know, they had a bad experience and maybe a customer overused their hours or, you know, kind of abused their hours. And then they kind of make these heavy duty processes to try to keep that from ever happening again. And then it just for regular customers that don't abuse things, it just makes this jumping through hoops process really cumbersome and it doesn't feel good for clients. Yes. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, it's, there's actually a, um, a book that I have been reading called What Customers Crave. I really like it. Oh, yeah. um, it's by Nick Webb. And there's a whole section in that book about how not to lean too far um, toward trying to fix problems that have come up um, mm. through too much over-processing yes. um, because it creates these really cumbersome experiences for clients. I'm going to have to read that and share yeah, it internally. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good book. Yeah. So before we continue with the rest of our interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. We will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. So Rachel, you mentioned to me earlier that you think when you avoid overprocessing, you also highlight the strengths of individual CSMs. How have you seen that work in practice? So yeah, definitely we we evaluate our processes at MyTech and mm-hmm. we, we assess if they're working or if they need to change. Um, and all of this is in efforts to avoid that overprocessing. Yeah. And, 
my, my team and I are definitely enabled to follow our own process internally, which is great, especially if we're escalating or highlighting a customer. And because we have the freedom to follow our own process, each one of our personalities um, shows when we speak to other teams and executives. And for me, seeing those different personalities has been so incredibly insightful because we know each other's strengths. And so where someone may be more data-driven, maybe a specific CSM being more data-driven and analytical, we would probably put them with a customer and know that they would work well um, if the customer's focused on KPIs and metrics or something like that. Whereas maybe another CSM, if they're very headstrong like myself and <laughs> assertive, we know that we would work well with a customer that's incredibly demanding and wants the world and more, right? So we can kind of set those boundaries. So knowing each CSM and their skill, it really sets a CS org up for a team of well-rounded rock stars, in my opinion, rather uh-huh. than a team who all are uniformed and look and act the same. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there are certain things that have to get done, but there's a lot of flexibility in between those things if you look for it. Mm -hmm. So what do you see as the most important strengths of all CSMs and how can CS programs support those strengths? Well, I think there's definitely two. I've been thinking about this and over the years, this, I probably would have said something different, but Mm -hmm. in most recent years, I've gone back to the basics and tried to simplify everything in my life and just in my mind. And I think using your voice and following your gut are the two biggest strengths that I feel um, like my team tries to use and something I've really tried to um, hone in on. And specifically when using your voice, I think even if you're scared, it's okay to stand up for what you believe in and what is right for the customer. And Some companies may frown upon that, but I think it also works on the flip side too when you push back on customers and use your voice, especially if they're Mm -hmm. over demanding. And when you push back on customers, you begin to realize what's actually important to them and maybe not what or what's not so important to them. And I have to remind myself to draw those boundaries both internally and with my customers, even if it does create friction sometimes. And trusting your gut, I think, goes hand in hand with using your voice. And I think both of these, you need to have your manager in your corner, of course, to help you enable both of those strengths. Um, I think CSMs have the best ideas to create change and CSMs need leaders um, to look at them to help facilitate that change internally, especially at the product level. Absolutely. I think one that that I see that kind of goes along with both of those ones that you just mentioned is curiosity. I think that if CSMs are curious, that shows up in a lot of different ways. They Mm -hmm. tend to be creative about how they um, execute on on different things. They tend to be um, really good at asking questions of customers and finding out more about what's going on and uncovering what they really care about. And all of yeah. that. So to me, that's one that always surfaces to the top as well. Yeah. And you you actually raise a good point because that kind of breaks the uniformity because curiosity it has really no mold. It can go in a variety of directions. Yeah. <laughs> it really kind of goes hand in hand with creativity, I think. Yeah, and, and those are both important, I think, mm-hmm. for CSMs. Yeah. Um, so I think you and I would both agree that some process is good and it allows an organization to collect data and that can be used to drive strategy. How do you think that a CS team can build processes that don't promote 
too much uniformity or take away a CSM's voice, but are mm-hmm. still processes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, process is definitely a must and um, it definitely helps drive strategy for sure. And I agree. I think we can build out the right processes at each company without bogging down the CSMs. And to me, I think of like administrative work and trying to eliminate some of that. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself that it's important to know that if we do try out a new process, it's okay if it doesn't work and if we don't mm-hmm. like it. And it's impossible to know what will work unless you test it out. And so that's something that I've started to get more comfortable with and knowing that, okay, let's just try it. If it doesn't work, then we'll try something else. And that allows us to identify if something's too process heavy or if it's manual, um, we can optimize it or just trash it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for example, actually we're going through um, automating reports at MyTech currently, and we are taking advantage of a lot of our internal tools uh-huh. Uh, to create what would otherwise probably be very manual reports. And we're just trying out different things with our data team and we're enabled to vocalize what's working and what's not. And um, one thing that's coming up for us right now is what may be considered the right process now, it may not be the best process in like a year or two. So it's important yeah. to revisit those those processes to see what's working and what's not still. Absolutely. I mean, I think everybody's dealing with this right now because we're in the middle of COVID as we're, (laughs) you know, talking. And so, you know, a lot of companies have, you know, initially started by trying to kind of stick with their processes. And then Mm -hmm. as this has kind of dragged on and on, have realized that they can't keep doing things the way that they were doing them before. And they have to change their processes in response to the market environment now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I absolutely agree. You have to revisit your processes from time to time and Mm -hmm. make sure they're still working for you. Even that's kind of painful, but it has to be done. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And you know, I mean, like processes are not meant to be like a handbook that lasts forever. They're meant to be, um, something Tweet. that is useful to you yeah. and should be kind of like a living thing inside. Yeah. Your team. A yeah. living document or process exactly. or workflow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Rachel, what would you recommend to a CSM who's in a role where it feels like there's too much process? I know you've been in that situation before. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the kind of dark side of me, I think would say <laughs> potentially just quit, but I know we can't do that. (laughs) And um, I mean, you definitely can, but I would say try and work through uh, whatever is bogging you down or there's too much process. And I think that starts with having a conversation with yourself and asking where you feel most fatigued and try to identify why. And then um, I think from there, having an honest conversation with your manager um, is important. And What's also important is bringing some sort of prepared solution or an idea. And mm-hmm. if your manager is open to addressing this, I think together and with the team, you can collectively erase some of those redundant processes or bring in other teams to help with the load or even change the process altogether and just start over. Mm-hmm. But in a, in a team of CSMs, I think it's important to have open communication in order to help facilitate that change and, and create a healthy workspace. Yeah, I mean, I think you can 
when you're proposing changes, you can always propose them as a test. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can propose that maybe you're the one that tests them and then see how it goes, because most managers are open to improvement. And Mm -hmm. um, if they can see it working for you, then they may be willing to spread that out across the rest of your team. And then you benefit as a team. Yeah, that's a great point. Testing is something my um, director is a huge fan of. He uh, came to me recently and said, I want to create an action plan for our customers, but I don't want it to be too process heavy. I want it to be tactical and short, maybe like a one pager. And so we started fleshing it out. And I basically was like, okay, what do we do now? He's like, try it out and let me know. <laughs> and, and I actually do owe him that back, but I think it's good to, to try it out and um, go back and adjust it and maybe start over if needed. But um, it's, uh, it's definitely something you can't be afraid of to, to just, yeah, like you said, test it and try it and see um, what the results are. Yeah. So last question, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Um, I definitely see a lot, especially like you mentioned before, going through COVID, there's a lot of circumstantial and potentially maybe temporary or long-term trends that we're starting to see. Um, But mostly um, as of late, I've been seeing a lot of data-driven results to customers and I know at MyTech that's something we strive to do and it's it's more around not necessarily providing data, but data that's meaningful and um, something that you work with in tangent with the customer. And some examples of that data would be, you know, how are they doing? How well are they performing? Maybe they're sucking in areas and you need to talk to them about it, even though it's an awkward conversation. I think it's starting to be okay to come to the customer and say, here's where I think we need to do more work. Um, and where we can potentially improve and also show them how well they're performing against other customers. Mm-hmm. And I, I like this trend because not only does it maximize the customer conversation, I think it, it deepens the level of commitment that each side of the account has. And of course, they're going to continue to see that ROI presenting that data to them. Right. And it only makes sense, I think, in the world that we live in now, given how much is available to us, almost yeah. too much. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I definitely rely heavily on data and building meaningful reports now to share with my customers. And I think that this trend will just continue to grow and evolve as technology continues to enhance. Yeah, I'm excited for when um, the reports without a, a whole lot of manual work can be a little more tailored to each client because I mm-hmm. think every client purchases things for different reasons. And, you know, if, if every time you go to them, you're showing them the same report, it's, yes. um, you know, that that's not a great experience every single time. And mm-hmm. I think the more the data can be really tailored per client, the better it will be. And I think technology is starting to move in that direction, which I think is exciting. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I love it. I think it makes things so much more interesting. Like you said, when you tailor reports and uh, speak specifically to the customer's needs rather than having some sort of, yeah, uniformed template. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, so many, um, so many QBRs end up um, sort of feeling like, that. And yes. so, um, you know, I think it's, it's good that we're finally getting some easy to use tools that help tailor 
the communication. Yes. Break the mold. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on the role of a CSM and how that can be supported or constrained depending on how processes are built for the CS program. I know many CSMs in our audience, this probably resonated with them. And I hope that some of the CS leaders who listen took away ideas on how to allow for, for CSMs to leverage their own strengths and voice. Thanks for being part of today's podcast. Thank you, Kristen, for having me. And um, I look forward to hopefully working with you again and um, potentially hearing from anyone who's listening. Um, You can get in touch with me uh, via LinkedIn. My name is uh, Rachel Owens and my married name is Jugai, J-U-G-A-I. Still getting used to it because I just (laughs) changed my name. Perfect. (laughs) Well, I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.